you're a new listener, just type in Pentagon tested gay bomb on Iraq. They considered, no, they didn't consider using it. They've used it on our troops. In Vietnam, they'd spray PCP on the troops, Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> you think PCP, some horse tranquilizer or something? <laughs> they got stuff that'll whack your brain permanently. Brain chips in the troops. They give the troops special vaccines that are really nanotech that already re-engineer their brains. Now there it is, the gay bomb. Look it up for yourself. I mean, this is what they're... What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. And I'm not saying people didn't naturally have homosexual feelings. I'm not even getting into it, quite frankly. I mean, give me a break. You think I... I'm like, oh, shocked by it. Some of you're bashing it because I don't like gay people. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frog gay. Do you understand that? I'm sick of being social engineered. It's not funny. These are Haribo Gold Bears, the original since 1922, and nobody does a Winnie the Pooh ripoff better than Haribo. Despite their marketing being rather discriminatory towards half-human, half-horse hybrids, horses are known to gobble gummy bears by the ton every single year. And the Haribo gummy bears are known as supposedly the best gummy bears of all time. Uh, said by, uh, well, me. I, I may have said it a couple of times. Now, it's important to note so there are two different kinds of Haribo gummy bears. You got your gold bears, and then you got the sugar-free Haribo bears. We're not going to talk about the sugar-free gummy bears because those are, those do horrible things to good people. And sometimes well-deserved things to bad people. Regardless, let's crack this bad boy now. Quality, you can see the quality. You can feel the quality. You just want to, oh, you just want to taste the quality. The best thing about Haribo gummy bears is that they're made with actual fruit juice. None of this artificial nonsense. You can smell it the second you take it out of the bag. And let me just say, oh, it's effervescent. It is truly lovely to see a bunch of dead bears on my place ready to be consumed. That's almost arousing in a sense. Elegant, light, fruity, absolutely delightful on every possible taste palette you can throw yourself at. But see, there's more to the Haribo than just the wonderful taste. The cool thing about them is the second you bite into them, you can actually taste each individual flavor. None of these gummy bears that all taste exactly the same. Every single Haribo gummy bear is unique. You want to taste the best gummy bears of your life? You came to the right place. These are the finest. Preferably a scary or realistic looking one and some tape. You'll also need to have someone that has a backup camera on their car because this is a whole prank idea. So just take the doll, tape it from their trunk to have it hanging in front of the camera and then when they go to reverse, they're gonna see this doll face. Alright, Easter dinner at Grandma's? It's a flame war, and I am the gasoline. Just kidding. April fools, you fucking horse puppies. Bruppeting wah. Bruppeting wah. Ben Shapiro is a crisis actor who wants to have sex in a bog. 
Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast. You spring has sprung and I'm ready to have fun screedlers. This is Stefan Lee, the podcast studio manager. It's Aries season, and I am here for it. Oh, and guess what? It's almost Sean's birthday. Tax day, baby. April 15th. Wondering what you could get him to celebrate? How about heading over to the humor and the abject drip profile and signing up to show your love of the podcast at just five bucks a month? You'll get exclusive video and writing from him, as well as access to the DSA podcast with Darcy Wilder and Ozzy Gway Muhammad. The address is d.rip slash humor and the abject. Subscribe, or die. Anyways, listen to me going on over here like some old so-and-so. Let's get down to business already. We are just pleased as punch to be bringing you this episode with the artist Carly Mark. It slaps eternally. It bangs. It owns. Put on your headphones, then your helmets, and run straight through the drywall in your apartment so you can share the episode with your neighbors. Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 55 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. Happy April Fool's Day and happy Easter, my Screedlers. I hope you've been enjoying the show. If you aren't caught up, dig into the back catalog and check out recent shows with my little sister, Quinn, who is a first grade teacher in Denver, Colorado. We did a bonus episode where we talk about her experience in the classroom in the age of school shootings. Uh, Another recent episode with curator and gallerist Ebony Haynes from Martos Gallery and Shoot the Lobster. I love Ebony. That was a ton of fun and really interesting conversation. Listen to that one. Also did a live episode with Leo Fitzpatrick, the actor and uh, director at Marlboro in Chelsea. We did a live episode at NADA. That was fun. That's up there. And another one with Postmasters director Carrie Doran, where we talked about digital art and internet art and what all of that means. Very sassy, right? Oh, and yesterday, uh, you may have seen we released a little public teaser for episode four of the DSA podcast. That's Darcy, Sean, and Ezekway. Every few weeks, the three of us get together and talk a bunch of trash for an hour, and then we release it exclusively on Drip. So if you want to hear the full episodes, head over to d.rip slash humor in the abject and subscribe for just $5 a month. That's less than one third of what I paid last night to see the death of Stalin at IFC, which was, uh, I don't know, it was fine. The movie's fine. Uh, So... You know, in addition to those exclusive episodes of the DSA podcast, you also get subscriber-only content like video art that I make, uh, special videos from me. Do a lot of videos when I go on trips; very fun. Uh, also, pieces of writing that I don't publish publicly, or pieces that I've written that are only read places, or stories that I write, and things like that. That um, you know, you get to read on there as a as a subscriber. <clears throat> there are also other perks that you know I just can't say publicly. But ask anybody who backs the drip. Oh, it is worth it, baby. Uh, you know, uh, as Stephanie mentioned, also, my birthday's coming up. April 15th, tax day. 
just a couple weeks from today. I think exactly two weeks from today. And, uh, you know, you could think of your subscription to The Drip as a slow burn birthday present to me. Just a little high every month from you. Remind me all year that you like what I'm doing, that you're paying attention. And that $5 a month really helps make these public free episodes far more sustainable, helps me get equipment, helps me do other things. Um, I'm going to be going down to Philly at the end of the month. Uh, So any listeners from Philly, please hit me up. Would love to connect while I'm down there. I'm going to be doing some interviews that I can't really announce just yet, but with some wonderful people down there. And, you know, the drip subscriptions help me do things like that, help me get a place to stay and a bus ticket to go down there and make it feel like I'm not just throwing money into a hole uh which i do with all the rest of my art practice but on thursday april 26th another item of business thursday april 26th at the kickstarter headquarters in greenpoint darcy wilder azikwe Mohammed, and i will be doing our first live dsa podcast it's going to be free to attend and they're going to have drinks and food and stuff like that provided so please mark your calendars we would love to see you there and if you are a drip subscriber to any of our drips we'll have a special little goodie for you uh, when you come out there now on this week's episode i had a wonderful time talking to artist carly mark she came over to the kitchen carly and i met uh, maybe like four years ago through our mutual friend chloe wise also a friend of the pod when I was running Humor in the Abject as a free course at BHQFU. Uh, Around that time, Carly was getting a lot of attention for her paintings of Haribo gummy bear packaging. Um, Lots of everybody, everybody was obsessed with it. Uh, And I always enjoyed talking with her about comedy and art. She's a really serious person, but she's incredibly funny. And in the years since, her practice has really expanded dramatically. It She's been making these really unsettling sculptures, these weird kind of like mannequin types of things, but they're not mannequins. They're just like, I don't know what you would call those, like a full-sized scary thing. Uh, she makes these crazy video pieces, and she's done some really cool stuff as well. Like she edited an issue of Foundations Magazine. She acted in the Arcade Fire music video that Jillian Mayer, another friend of the pod, directed. Uh, And she just acted in a feature-length film that we talk about on this episode. She's also a model and a writer. I mean, what can't Carly Mark do? And her name sounds like Karl Marx. I mean, come on. She just got back from Venice, where she had an exhibition that featured a new experimental short film. Uh, She made that leaves comedy in the dust and is just kind of full-on abject horror. It's called No Nothing. K-N-O-W Nothing. And I was really floored when she sent me a link so that I could view it online. Um, it, the production level on it is crazy, and it's very different than her previous work. It's a huge leap, and I was just, I don't know, it, it's its incredible. And I was really glad that I got to talk to her about it. She's somebody who's not only careful about how her career trajectory is perceived publicly, but also about how she takes care of herself and her continued growth as an artist in private in her studio and keeping track of things, making sure that she doesn't burn out. It's something that I think uh, many of us don't let ourselves think about. It's not easy, and it it can feel like a rat race all the time. So this was a really fun and informative conversation, and I'm really amped that I get to share it with you. So here's my conversation with Carly Mark. Uh, well, Carly Mark, welcome to Human the Abject. It's 
great to see you and a real honor to have another Michigander yeah. here on the podcast. Yes. Yes. You grew up outside Detroit, is that right? I did. Yeah. Suburbs outside. And you moved to New York to go to school. To go to... A while ago. Yeah. When I was... I just turned 18, so like almost 12 years ago now. Wow. So you've been in... You're an official New Yorker, though, by the standard, right? It's 10 years or something is what people say. That's when you can be a real New Yorker. Yeah. I think is the thing. Um, have you ever been to Novi? yeah of course i have <laughs> one time i went to a soccer tournament and for anybody who's listening nova is like a, it's like a suburb of detroit right mm-hmm. and uh we had a soccer tournament there and this one family who had more money than the other families they stayed at the novi hilton and i got to go over and hang out at the novi hilton and i thought it was about like the fanciest fucking hotel i'd ever seen in my oh, life because i'd only stayed in motels God. before that so yeah it was the novi hilton and it is burned into my brain as like luxury <laughs> luxury fucking brand novi yeah novi is i guess lu- michigan luxury yeah wait do you know about down river i guess i mean i've heard the term <laughs> it was like a dis- when i went to michigan state this is where i started going to college it was like kids from um down river detroit like yes. taylor yeah they were like um kids were disparaging to them for being from down river and mm-hmm. i just had never heard of it and they would always call them uh they'd say why don't you go to the gibraltar trade center or something which i've never been to but i think is like an outlet mall Mm. around there (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of segregation in michigan you know what i mean by design Uh, that's (laughs) very true yep yep there you go my family is from uh detroit my dad grew up at like grand river and schoolcraft in that area and he went to the university of detroit jesuit boys high school very catholic very catholic experience yeah um now not speaking of michigan but other places you were just traveling a bunch right yeah you just got back you've been all over the place but you were in venice most recently i well yeah i i was in venice i had a show in venice italy at uh which i've heard of it which was really amazing experience um and then i went to london briefly and with the curator of the show because she's from london she's opened a cool space there and then milan because i was avoiding fashion week and i did, wanted more burrata before i mm-hmm. flew back to the united states that and pretty decent yeah and and then i got and then i got back here and i've been going through europe withdrawal but yeah i was traveling a bunch for work and were you you were showing a new film in that exhibition right yes no nothing no nothing which you were kind enough to share a little preview with me thank yes. you because i didn't know where else i would be able to see it i know you did a screening here i think right i did at a screening point, here and i didn't see it yes i did a screening here at the public hotel um in the public arts space which um has very good equipment really good equipment um and i showed i actually showed videos from 2012 until now so i kind of i for the first time i showed every video i've ever made wow and i did it in chronological order so you could see the evolution of it um that's like the reverse of remember when shia labeouf 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 watched all of his movies in reverse chronological order I I didn't know that they were in reverse chronology. I, I remember I him believe, watching all I believe of them. he began with like his most present work and then went back to like holes or holes. something like did yeah, it did it backwards. One of my favorite very emotional buff jokes is talking about holes. <laughs> um, but so speaking of the evolution, um, the could you talk about know nothing a little bit and what 
the it's a short and experimental movie but there's a lot packed into it it's pretty intense and it's a pretty stylistic shift yes. compared to what you're doing previously so we yes. talk a little bit about what uh what that movie's about yeah so um the i guess i'll start by talking about the work right before it um just to kind of set up the whole thing um i was making i've been developing characters for a bit now um when I I was making hairbow paintings before, even before that, as you know, and um, from that I like started to uh, dabble in video a little bit more and uh, decided to augment and then dement the hairbow gold bear. Are and those that, the bad babies? Is that what I'm thinking? The bad the are bad they babies they they are related. <laughs> the bad babies are like step. I, I would say like um, turning the hairbow gold bear into a character of mine that was in a video um was step one step two was bad babies and then step three was no nothing okay so the in the video piece that you're talking about where the bear comes to life that's from the goodbye human goodbye show? human okay. yeah got it yes and um that was all made for my show in greece which we discussed briefly right when i walked in your door but um i i started to develop these characters and the bad babies were a further development of the characters and um and I realized that I really like to do this. I really like to come up with characters. And then, and also I'm really good at storytelling. And I, I mean, I, I, that's kind of, that's an egotistical thing <laughs> no, to say. Fine. You could, I well, like storytelling. I, I, well, I would imagine most people who tell stories in their work would think of themselves as good storytellers or they wouldn't be doing it. Right. Right. Like, right. It's like, yeah. if you're good at drawing, you can, it's fine to say that, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Artists but like, are really shitty on themselves sometimes. I know. <laughs> like, but the thing is, it's so like, okay I guess it. yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's like personal. It's like what, yeah. you know, it's your, it's what you like and it's your taste. So, I mean, I enjoy telling stories and the way that I tell stories is by developing these characters. And so the bad babies were some characters that I developed. They're great because I get to um, play with costuming a lot, which is a really big thing for me. I have um, history in fashion, not like in the fashion industry, but just like in an affinity for fashion. Mm -hmm. And um, with the bad babies, I, I incorporated fashion, a little bit of acting, video work, um and then with no nothing it all really shifted it shifted stylistically and then content wise it shifted and and i know exactly i mean i know why everything shifted and content shifted because trump was elected mm -hmm. and um all of a sudden things weren't as funny as i thought they had been right before yeah. and yeah. so the bad babies there was like a huge dare i say lol yeah yeah ness yeah. to them Right. And that's where we were at. Um, we were just laughing at ourselves constantly. And I mean, we still are, but not, not to the same extent. And then, and then the joke wasn't funny anymore because mm -hmm. all of a sudden we elected someone who has Twitter feuds with literally anyone and anyone, mm -hmm. anyone and every, anyone and anyone, anyone <laughs> and everyone yeah, yeah. that he can. And it freaked me out and it got really scary. And so I, the work, moved into um a horror direction and that is what no nothing is it's a horror it's a short horror film it still involves character de development um i'm still augmenting and dementing uh parts of 
just like the human psyche, people's personalities. Um, and stylistically, it's very different because I took a big risk and put a lot of money into it, which never was the case before. It was mm-hmm. always pretty DIY and I was shooting things on green screen and um, cutting the characters into found footage. Yeah. And with no nothing, I I found a set. I found a space and I built a set and I hired a producer and I hired a DP and I hired like a real sound mixer. Yeah. And part that's partly because I felt like I needed to um for myself but I mean I guess that's always why you do anything but I felt like I needed to for the work and then and and I'm very interested in film and um we talked about the art world a bit already when I walked in off mic off mic um <laughs> but figuring out your place in the art world is is I I have found it very tricky yeah and you know there are so many different paths in the art world and there's so many different art worlds dare i say like in the art world oh yeah i I say that constantly um and what i've kind of recent recently realized is that i don't really like the art world (laughs) it sucks it sucks (laughs) it's like it's people aren't very nice and i know i feel like such a sham when i try to tell younger artists and stuff that because I'm just, I'm strictly talking about my friends. And I'm like, most artists are really nice. And then I'm just like, that's not necessarily true. My friends are. Or I wouldn't be friends with them. But right. outside of that, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can definitely see the kind of, not only the sociopolitical uh, influence that's going into moving into horror, but also just kind of being at a at a weird impasse with like your own practice and where you fit in, in the art world and exactly. trying to navigate that and try to figure out, especially, I mean, like you said a minute ago that the work, uh, or the bad babies, which are the kind of like grotesque characters and things like that, they have this lol factor to them. And I guess it's something that I think about a lot too, is if the lol factor or wit or cleverness is kind of just, I don't know how effective it is now. Um, it's kind of hard to, I mean, you can't really, I think I was talking maybe with Sarah Greenberg or Rafferty when she was on an episode, but you can't really, I guess you can laugh at Donald Trump, but how do you lol a clown? You know, how do yeah. you do anything that's like biting satire of someone who's like almost, I don't know if unsatirizable is a word. But someone who exists, who has positioned themselves outside the realm of critique. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you do that. Um, But in terms of the the look of it and stuff, it's really, like, arresting. And it's evident that there was a lot of production that went into the thing. And I'm wondering what what just your mental mood board maybe looked like for it. Because I was thinking of, um, I mean, I don't know a ton of her work, but the... The director, um, I think you say her name, Anna Lily Amirpour. She did uh, The Bad Batch and A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, I think is the other one. I haven't mm. seen that first movie, but there was these weird things from The Bad Batch that really looked similar or like early Ridley Scott stuff. Mm, thank you. Um, and obviously <laughs> obviously some Matthew Barney, but I don't want to like put that onto artists or anything. But, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll take that. I'm, 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 I think that in terms of like 
I mean, I think Matthew Barney's a great artist, but in terms of like visual aesthetics, he's got a he's got great taste. So, mm. um, uh, well, there's a reason people outside the art world know what his stuff looks like. It's like, jarring, even if it's just like memeified or something. Like you'll be like, look at this thing. They'll be like, I've seen that before. Like, what is that? And you're like, it's from a Matthew Barney movie. It's jarring, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, and, and the characters that he creates for himself are they. I, I remember when I first saw them when I was younger, they they terrified me. Yeah. And I don't think I even saw like Cree Master stuff until grad school. And I just like knew about it, but it was something that I just never watched. And somebody's like, sit down in the library and watch it. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, it's a lot. It's mm. a lot, but it's really, um, it's, it really sits with you. And, and I really love that. And so, so yeah, I mean, definitely I've thought of Matthew Barney, but I think that because I'm so, much more interested in film now and when i think about it i i might have always been um there are certain directors and films that that you know really do it for me and are definitely the point my point of departure alien Mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm glad you said ridley scott because alien is my favorite movie maybe ever i mean i have Mm. like a alien poster hanging above my bed (laughs) um but I also really love Kitsch, and I love... I've seen everything Guillermo del Toro's ever made. Uh-huh. Um, I'm Right now, I'm, like, working through The Strain. I don't know if you've ever seen The Strain. Uh-uh. What is it? It's a, a television show that he that he made. Oh, really? No, it's I don't know about it. a vampire television show. Whoa, I'll have to check it out. I like Guillermo like, del Toro. Me too. Um, I, it's funny that you said... I guess just I think that he's such a um, kind of celebrated director that i that kitsch doesn't come to mind but it makes sense oh my god when you no. said that. <laughs> he's so kitschy yeah. i oh. went to and he's he's kitschy and he's and he's very pulp yeah yeah um i went to uh the ago in toronto over oh, yeah. christmas i know some friends who did a residency there i've heard of the art gallery ontario right yes yeah i know it i went there over christmas because i was um in michigan where we are from yes losing my mind a little bit you drive through windsor drove through windsor <laughs> made my way to toronto and went to a guillermo del toro um like retrospective oh cool like costumes and things like that or bits of everything okay. because he's He's kind of like exactly what I want mm-hmm. to be at a certain point where he he's like built this like compound for himself that is completely curated and that's where he works and that's where all of his stuff is and that's where like bits of like you know relics are from like all of his shows and all of his television or movies and everything and it's all in this house that like looks like a vampire lair yeah. <laughs> but like a vampire lair that like a comic fanatic really yeah. really loves like there's like there's almost a bit of bad taste to it sure and i really like bad taste like yeah. i'm a big fa- i i'm a big fan of good taste but i'm i might be a bigger fan of yeah bad taste well it's cool too when somebody like walks the walk too i mean you you know i always wonder i mean you assume that somebody like that would have a compound that would feel like that but mm-hmm. then also i'm just like maybe they're maybe they're not really into this and it's just they know that subculture will celebrate this and pay a lot of money for all this stuff. I mean, what if they're just a poser? But maybe. But it sounds like Guillermo del Toro is not. True nerd. Yeah. I I I really love a true nerd. That's cool. You know? <laughs> um 
so yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's what I was thinking of as I was, I was making that and the, the mood board was definitely that, um, I mostly just wanted to say mood board. I've never (laughs) asked anybody what their mood board was before, but I feel like because film has storyboarding and specific things where it's like, I want the color palette of this movie and the sound quality of this movie and this and this. Whereas Mm -hmm. like if I asked an artist how they did that with a painting, they'd become furious with me and say, this was born of my own imagination. Yeah. It might be a nod or a critique of something earlier, but But that's not, nothing we do is, you know, it's like we all have, even if it's subconscious, but, um, and then legend. Ooh. Yeah. Isn't, can't you not ask Tom Cruise about that movie? (laughs) I feel like maybe this is some bullshit. Like, internet thing that i heard but i feel like i read at some point or maybe i like made this up and now i believe it but that you can't talk to tom cruise about legend he like won't discuss it he's like embarrassed by it but it was that was it was a really important movie to me as a kid oh my god (laughs) i mean it's amazing it's amazing nuts in it it's... Like the devil in that was when I was a kid, that was, it was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. Yeah. And I, the horns, the size of the horns were what fucked me up. Huge. They were so huge over the top, just thick horns that it was like, ugh. yeah. I, I mean, the prosthetics in that movie were a huge uh, inspiration before I made no nothing. You know, they were definitely on that mood board. You got to get Tangerine Dream in to do a soundtrack for one of your movies. (laughs) Well, there maybe there were two different soundtracks to Legend. Maybe there's like a. (laughs) I think there was maybe there was like an American one and then a a different release one that had different. And they changed the soundtrack. Maybe I feel like I heard that too, but again, that I could just have made that up in my head, and it's one of those memories that I've decided. I read that somewhere once. Created. Yeah, like it made it up. Then now it's right. Now that means it exists. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, funny too because yeah, there's something about wow. It's it's a funny sweet spot between like cartoonish gore and really serious kind of like disturbing prosthetic stuff that del toro in particular or or those early ridley scott things land in you know what i mean like they could be in one way i guess you could kind of think of them as kitschy or campy um but they're done with such conviction maybe Mm -hmm. that that it moves away from cartoonish like the alien and alien isn't particularly cartoonish no no (laughs) no it's it's scary and um i think what it like what that sweet spot is is um like is brutality hmm. you know it, it's it's a good word it's a good word it feels good to say yeah. um there is definitely kitsch in there but uh as long as you include real brutality mm-hmm. it puts it into a sweet spot yeah you know yeah there's a it's funny too because i was as i was kind of preparing stuff to talk to you about today i was thinking a lot about that question about um the way that this i mean when you sent me the link to this and i watched it i was just like this is like a pretty big sea change in someone's practice like this is a this is a big departure from previously the stuff that um like i think that you know many times i've read interviews or things about your work or something like that and it's always positioned that like oh carly's really a funny artist and this thing didn't feel, I mean, there's, and that's not to say that there's no comedy and horror or vice versa. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly the mm-hmm. two are interwoven and really related. I, I wouldn't call a podcast or anything else humor in the abject if I didn't think that there was a relationship between them. But 
do you think that the lols maybe are going to be in the rear view for a while or do you have an itch to be like well now i want to make a, another video where a bear shoves something up its ass which by the way is also horrifying right <laughs> i mean yeah i i think <laughs> it's totally horrifying um i don't know i mean I think I think it'll get to a point where there's a combination of both. Yeah. And um, my next move is to kind of it's not to kind of it's definitely I I'm gonna um, like shut down studio for a second and make a feature length film. Wow. And that might take two years. That might take yeah, three yeah. years. Take a while. Um, it may take four years, but going forward, I've made a decision that if People ask me uh, to be in group shows, to do this, to that. I'm I'm gonna say no because I'm gonna really put all my time and energy into this. And and a feature length film will include the lulls, and it will include the brutality, and it will include the no lulls. You know, it'll be it'll be a, a combination of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is it it definitely is a huge departure, and I and again, it's a result of the times Mm -hmm. um and some personal stuff that i've been through and um and i also i'm not a huge fan of um being told where my place is Mm -hmm. and to stay there um it seems like you thought about that in making the moves from having come to New York versus when, I mean, the, the show that you were just um, referencing a little bit ago that happened in Greece was just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you'd been in New York for a really long time, but that was, if I'm not mistaken, like the first kind of big solo show that yeah, you'd done. It so was. were you cognizant of just kind of trying to be like, well, if I do, especially cause you were known for doing like the Haribo stuff and things like that. If I do a show that's just like these things, so I'm, like, I'm going to get put in this place. Yeah. Or that's how people are going to, that will be my forever thing that I, everybody's like, oh yeah, that's the blah, blah, blah person yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it happen before. Oh yeah. I mean, and, it, and on the one hand, it's like, I I get it when somebody wants to do that. It's like strike while the iron is hot, et cetera. But there's also certainly, um, you know, I have a lot of admiration for the kind of slow burn and the trying to be like, I want to know that when I put something out, it, like it, it's where I'm comfortable with people digesting it that way not absolutely sim- not just because you're like oh god what if i what if i'm 27 and i haven't had a solo show or something like that seems like of i mean i guess it's very much the now that's mm-hmm. like what we live in right now mm-hmm. but it seems wild right to be like yeah have a career <laughs> retrospective at 35 yeah it was nuts kiss but, of death yeah it seems crazy kiss but, of death if you ask me but it's funny too because you did that show and it's like it has all of these elements of it. It's like a in-between point, right? Yeah, because the video is, it's funny that's in that show, but it's pretty grotesque. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all these like really abject objects in it that are still like specifically the, that's the show that had all of the like, are they like blown glass butt plugs? Yeah, they're hair about bear. Yeah, they're butt, like butt the, little, plugs. the little bear. Yeah. So there's all that, I mean, there. but there's that, um, there's that like discomfort and also the, I mean, simply just sort of like addressing power. Also yeah. That's in it. Uh, yeah. And that makes so much sense leading towards the know nothing video. Yeah. That it's this big step. And I think it's really interesting, though, to to give yourself kind of the. It's hard to imagine what. How am I? What am I trying to say here? To sit down and say, 
for two or three years, I'm going to focus on this thing. And I don't need to like get the kind of public recognition of like, yeah, you're doing it. You're killing it. You're out there killing it, you know, but to be able to focus and do something like that is it's probably scary too. I mean, it, I think that it is scary for most. I just being the way that I, that my true self is, um, feel relieved that I've given <laughs> myself this gift. Yeah. Um, It'll probably keep you from burning out too. Like you're, yeah. at, it's like Saturn return time, right? Like you got to <laughs> get through. I mean, those are the hardest. I feel like people between like 25 and 35, like that's the, it's a freak out time no matter what, especially if you're making art and if you get some attention for it, it can be like you said, like the kiss of death or it can be like something where you can be like, okay, now I can leverage some of the like success that I've had to do something really interesting so that I can keep a momentum for decades because it's yeah. the idea right you want to be making work when you're 60 yes and yeah i've been privy to um very successful careers around me who become enslaved by their success sure or you have to make the thing that people expect you to make or else it's you either have to do that mm -hmm. or you have to make something so good that it's better than the last amazing thing you made yeah and so you you've you know sold yourself to the your so you've like sold your soul in, in this way where everything else around you crumbles because your priority is to top yourself yeah you know and i i think that no matter what you're gonna well no not no matter what but like I feel as though I'm going to top myself no matter what. Maybe that's just because I believe in myself. But um, no, I know you're saying that. It's like a you want to you want to be able to think and have an optimistic outlook that you can you can consistently improve upon what you've done and build on the sort of the work that you're putting into the world, but you don't want, you want to do it on your own terms. Yes. Not because there's like a deadline or your career's fucking over. Yes. Or yes. like you didn't deliver or like, oh, that person was kind of 2016. I don't know. Yes. Haven't really. Or like, oh my God, do you remember when this person, when you thought this person's work was great? Like well, how? Well, now I feel terrible because I like make jokes about that sometimes, <laughs> but it's kind of like, it's like <laughs> no one will just be like yeah they're not really so hot anymore are they and then i'm just like wait that's sad that person like is fucking, a person yeah is a person <laughs> and like clearly it's me even saying that is like rooted in a jealousy right to be like mm, they're not so hot anymore also we they? love to make jokes we love to see people to each other yeah and oh yeah i love to just fucking be so mean to my friends and they do the same thing but, yeah you know that can get tiring but um yeah but yeah it's it's funny i mean i It'll be interesting. Do you think that the way that if you're working on a feature length film, how would you how would you want to contextualize it in the world? Will you still be will you be an artist who made a feature length film or are you considering yourself like, no, I'm kind of I'm uh, I'm a filmmaker or does that really matter? You know what? I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, I feel like I'm as a human doing something a little bit different um, than people most people around me i think that chloe my best friend chloe wise for instance who's also been on the show kind episode of, 27 <laughs> can i like if you need to I reference remember that enough yeah i think it was um 
And I only remember that because I think I said something about the 27 Club to her. I could be wrong, too. Anyway, sorry. Chloe. That's funny. Um, we operate in similar similar but different ways, but in these ways that um, people don't really know what to do with, including ourselves, where it's like, yes, I am an artist, but also I sometimes model mm-hmm. and sometimes and like i have no shame about that and like i don't know why somebody fucking cares i think there was a period of time when um intersectionality intersectionality was like especially in the art world like people did not like it like it's like you were an artist and like you have to be cooler than x y and z and maybe not maybe i'm wrong but um it just feels like intersectionality now with like social media and the internet is like like okay like all of those Mm -hmm barriers have been crossed yeah so you mean, you mean like in terms of like disciplinary practice and stuff discipline yeah, yeah like yeah. there's no like staying in your lane anymore like to an extent that is greater than it ever was before but yeah. um that you can make music you can do film you can be into fashion you can do these other things yeah and have a and still be a critical individual who like is thinking while you're doing all these things yeah as opposed to just like oh well yeah i don't know why i mean why would it be I don't know. It's funny too because all of the the things that we kind of romanticize about particular um, points in art, all of the people are these kind of, um, or many of the people are kind of Renaissance people, right? Yeah, they do a bunch of things anyway. Yeah, like I mean, like Basquiat, people. for instance, yeah. like did all of these things that we're talking about. I mean, I'm not like a huge Basquiat fan personally, but he did do all of these things. Like, yeah. you know, was involved in all of these different lanes. So, like, I sometimes write i sometimes do film stuff i sometimes act i sometimes but but you know i i'm not really sure i think we'll just have to see you were in that music video that jillian did right i was in yeah i was in an arcade (laughs) i started an arcade fire music video see that's well fuck it why i mean why wouldn't an artist be in a music video it seems like a perfectly normal thing to be doing to me i don't know you know for me it's like uh, and it's directed by like borscht it's like, borscht it's yeah. it's jillian mayer yeah. who's a dear friend lucas, of mine right? and lucas yeah. who i love and like i'm if my friends if my friends hit me up and they're like let's do this thing i'm all about experiences like this is maybe the one life we have to live like if you hand me a an experience that i get to have yeah i'm down so i don't know how i'm gonna be received after all of this you know i I think that like Julian Schnabel is still seen as an artist, even though he made mm-hmm. the diving bell and the butterfly, Yeah, you know, David Lynch wanted to be a painter, but he's definitely a director. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but definitely like the artist's director, definitely the artist director. <laughs> and like, I don't know if you've ever seen that, the documentary of his documentary where he's like painting, he's like, most of it is just no. him sitting there painting. They're uh-uh. so bad. Oh, well, yeah. I love David Lynch, but his paintings are so bad. How about bad celebrity paintings? I oh, mean, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey I know. I, come on, man. Like, just pay someone to do them for you. It's crazy. Design them on Photoshop or something it's and have somebody, like, make the painting for crazy. you. Crazy. It's outstanding. <laughs> that, that picture he did of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I was just like, what is... What? I don't even know how to, like... I don't even know if that's... I, know. Fi- I can't describe what I think about it. Does that make... Yeah. I don't no. have the vocabulary. To, yeah. When I saw it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But it wasn't so 
sort of left of center of what I thought it would be that I was somehow like blown away by how different it w- I was just like, that looks like what Jim Carrey would draw. <laughs> I just didn't know exactly what it would look like. But yeah, that, that makes sense. That seems about right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is gonna, definitely going to be a tangent, but, but I'll take us there. <laughs> Dare I say my favorite painter is George W. Bush. George W. Bush, yeah. Chloe talked about George W. Bush too, and I had to do the caveat just because I didn't want anybody getting dragged on social media that it's like it's okay to like make fun of George W. Bush and say that you like his paintings because he's a doofus, even though he's <laughs> yes, he's a fucking war criminal, he's a bad person, and it, we're, people are processing having to deal with him being the president and watching people die, and so sometimes people think it's funny that he fucking paints stupid paintings and that he's just a doofus, but doofus, yeah. You know. There's some. Uh, of course, she brought him up as well. Of course, yeah. she brought him up. Well, as she well. brought up. She went to his fucking museum or something. I, <laughs> I was, was like, there with her. Okay. <laughs> we went. I think she his... said she bought socks or something. Yes, I was that's just exactly like, what we did. I we both have them. <laughs> we both have them. But you know, the, there there is like, I mean, okay. To summarize everything we just said, <laughs> I don't know how people will define me once I make a feature length film. Okay. I don't yeah. know. I I don't know how much I care yeah and you're not as concerned about that no yeah that's no that's totally fine yeah i mean yeah i think that people especially with access to different media or tools or things like that like why not explore these other things or like i don't know the kind of cool thing about i guess the reason that filmmaking is really attractive if you're an artist is because i mean so many elements of different artistic mediums that you've already played with it's like the vehicle that you can deliver all of them yeah in like a really controlled experience and you know that you know besides like maybe the projection size or the exact quality of the speakers of some place that like when people experience it it's going to be pretty much the way that you want them to have the experience yeah there's a lot of control there yeah because video art's tough because it's like a you know do you you post a schedule of when the video is going to start again so people know when to come in at the right time and sit through it or whatever and just like it's very framing things as cinema versus or like a feature like film um really allows for a different kind of audience engagement i think just because i don't sit in a movie theater and think about if other people are like looking at how i'm reacting to a movie whereas in a you know if i'm at the new museum and it's a video installation i like walk in i'm like fuck there's somebody in here i gotta stay for like four and a half minutes so i don't look like a fucking <laughs> dilettante right i feel like a social pressure which you know some artists have played with i think really brilliantly but, yeah um yeah, if you want to do something where all of the stuff that you're into, you get to package together, why the hell not? And I think it's, I think it's exciting uh, to like take the leap um, and just sort of like dial back the participation in certain types of attention economies. And not that we all don't participate in them all the time, but to kind of focus on one aspect and just say well here's one space where i can control that and mm-hmm. i don't have to say yes to every single thing because it's like hard to not just be like sure yeah i'll send you something yeah yeah that and i I've, I've done that for a mm-hmm. bit now and it and it's starting to not feel very good no i do it and i don't even make objects and then i'm like <laughs> fuck <laughs> we be in the show and i'm like sure of course i will and i'm like i don't know how to make an artwork like it's, to like sit down i'm like am i gonna glue this thing to i'm like that looks like a jogging post i can't oh do god. that <laughs> oh my god the jogging. i i just um speaking of films and the jogging i just made i co-wrote a film with a friend of mine who is a director and it was his first film and i'm starring in it and um 
it, there's a whole scene that goes into me and my girlfriend talking about the jogging really is <laughs> yes. it a, is so it's a it's a period piece it's, it's a like period a specific, piece yeah. yes it's a period piece. 2012 <laughs> 2013 you know what somewhere between 2012 and 2016 yeah, i think yeah. it is That's... um it's really it's well, really something. they'll be pleased to hear that won't they i can't yeah. i can't stop any i can't stop saying and i don't even know if i'm do you ever see that there's a Simpsons episode where somebody asks maybe Bart or Lisa, like, are you being ironic? And they're like, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> and I don't know, but I love to tweet a photo of something and just be like, bring back the jogging. And people will either get upset or giggle or not know. And then I'm like, Sean, you used to send stuff to that all the time. Like, what are you better than? <laughs> Clearly not. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I gave me an excuse to make some funny things here and there. I really love Brad's new Instagram account. So, you know. He is just on some savage level. He is, you know, I I really do love it. But I, um, I will say that I, I recently deleted my Instagram app off my phone. Mm. And do you look at it on a desktop? I, I, it, I give myself like, I'm like, okay, you can, ha- you can re-download it once a week to post something to post well if there's a work-related thing i'll post because that's how i oh, look you at can it just download way. the app and reopen it yes but you, you can download and but it's it. annoying if you just want to absent-mindedly tap and scroll that's You're why not i gonna download got rid of it, it because yeah. i've been absent-mindedly tapping and scrolling and um feeling like i need to create things to post so that people can be like wow you're doing well mm-hmm. when really i just want to go on like be on lockdown and make something that takes a few years which isn't crazy if you think about it but now it has become like oh you're not you don't have an achievement to boast about every two to three days like blame the jogging (laughs) (laughs) i mean the jogging is like an early version of it you know and it was clearly like a a meta critique of that but absolutely but at the same time yeah it's it's funny to think about because i mean aren't you Okay, if you are a successful artist, you know, quote, successful artist, you're supposed to have a show uh, every two years, Mm -hmm. supposed to have a solo show every two years, Mm -hmm. which logic would dictate means that it takes about two years to make the body of work that you then put on display. Mm -hmm. And everybody's supposed to be like, you're very productive. But I I think we're in a very accelerated version of that where something more insane kind of uh, is expected of us, which is really funny, too, because the... Sure, we have access to more um, tools and things like that, but our access to space is so complicated, mm-hmm. and especially living in New York. And like to have a to have a physical studio adds a whole other rent onto your life and other things like that, and causes you to. I mean, the sort of funny thing is, it's like um, people always joke about uh, you know, you know that like a nonprofit is over when everybody who's working there is just fundraising to have their job to keep fundraising to have their job. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I feel like that that's analogous to a lot of artists who have studios that are just like, fuck, I just got to finish this one thing that looks like a bunch of other stuff that I've made because like somebody will buy this and then I can finally do my me work yes. once, I, once I've paid my rent for a few months or something. Yes. Like I mean, you know, with that in mind, part of why I feel ready to say no rather than yes and spend a few years on this thing that I really want to do is because I'm in that place Mm -hmm. where I keep making these things 
and um, particular, like in my, what I've experienced, I make things that people want to talk to, talk to me about. They want to talk about them. I'm doing interviews a lot, which is great. And I'm in, I'm, there are magazine features. Great. But nobody wants to buy the work. Hmm. And so I make these things and then I live with them. They got a lot of cultural capital, but they're not bringing in a lot of the... They're not bringing in <laughs> funds. And, you know, the babies, the bad babies, for instance, are seven to eight foot sculptures uh-huh. of these augmented and demented characters that are loud and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I have about 10 of them in my studio. <laughs> and um, that's fine, but I don't have any more room. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're going to hibernate for a bit and I'm going to make something like film, which is on a computer mm-hmm. and I can move around yep. and it's not taking up space and like you said it'll be this amalgam of everything i'm interested in it'll be the character studies it'll be writing it'll be storytelling it'll be prosthetics and face painting and you know if i'm lucky it'll look like something between like the dark crystal and john waters mm-hmm. and you know and then the most beautiful part that i think film has about like the quality it has um is it's not like art in this way where you have to keep it close to you unless Mm. it's in the right context films go to a general general context like you can put them in a movie theater yeah and anyone can pay if you live in new york 1895 (laughs) to see it Yeah, yeah and it's not something i have to hold close until the right gallery represents me right yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's and that's another thing like yes i i am doing well but i don't have representation Mm. i don't have a gallery in new york i don't have people you know pushing the work to buyers or saying yes you have the space in two years so make your show like i am floating Mm -hmm. and holding these things close and trying to put them on the pedestal that I believe they deserve, but while still showing them to people. And that balance is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my wallet is tired and my heart (laughs) is tired and I want to make something like for the public. Yeah. Well, and you get to, I feel like you get such more fun in addition to not having to keep it close. You get, and, and of course, anybody can, you know, visit any gallery show via the internet by looking at documentation or something. But, but film is an experiential thing that can travel mm-hmm. and can uh, exist in a bunch of different contexts. And that's fun. Like the, I always, I think about like Jillian Mayer, who we were talking about earlier and just like, Jillian's always like doing stuff at film festivals and things. I'm like, that sounds fucking fun. Yeah. Like, to go and like you're an artist, but you get to go and present in this other way. And it doesn't just sit in this box in this place that only your friends who are local to it can go to. Yeah. And the thing also, again, like a film can be a slow burn. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't only exist for six weeks and like, OK, we got to 
got to get as much attention on this thing right now so that we get the right interviews or we get the, this thing or that thing. Like you can move a film around and like really uh, like the idea of distribution is, is both the, the sense of like, you know, it's in these different theaters, these different festivals, but also in the way that you have like control over its distribution is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. you can be like, oh, I'd actually like to show it in a weird movie house in Wyoming you know just because Mm -hmm. because i have a friend who lives there and wants to do this thing and like yep really easy here's a file yeah (laughs) and you you transfer it it. (laughs) you know or you like google doc send them a link you know it's like yeah absolutely and um and there isn't the same like weight to Mm -hmm. it as well you know it's or the or stigma like around it it's it's i recently took i had goodbye human online for a very long time because I was at a place where I needed, um, I felt as though I needed the exposure and I needed like the traction and, yeah. you know, to help move the video piece, the there. video piece. Goodbye human was online. And I've recent, well, actually it's still on Ubu, but like I took it off my website. Um, I took all of my videos off my website. Cause I was like, this has had enough play time because these things exist for a gallery context or a museum context. That's what I made them for. Um, and so I'm going to hold them close until I have that opportunity, have that opportunity and I can't speak, have that opportunity (laughs) instead of cutting myself short or, you know, like not giving them the, the, you know, I don't know, pedestal that they need, but with film, it doesn't matter with, with, with film that you make for a general public, you know, that you're making it for a general public. Yeah. It can be on iTunes it can be, um, I don't know, it could be on Hulu. Like, Yeah, well, it, it doesn't have to be specific to the context in which one experiences it. And, and I, yeah, I hadn't thought until you were just kind of mentioning this about having your videos on your website is that there, that is, uh, that does kind of suck. Like to have somebody come and watch something that you created to be seen in a space with like objects that were related to it mm-hmm. uh, and have them just watch it like it's anything else on YouTube yeah. is um, not even, I don't even mean this in a remotely elitist sense, but it's just a little bit of a disservice to the work. Cause it's just like, no, this is like a, this is a part of a whole as opposed to just like a click LOL. Isn't this thing funny? Look at this fucked up weird video or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah but you can, you know, I'll have as moving an experience watching a movie on my TV here as I would at uh, Cannes or I would in, you know, the, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a movie theater to say in New York, but I feel like anyone that I say, people are going to make a judgment about me based on that <laughs> one being the first one that came to my mind. So yeah. at a movie theater. I'm so interested any, to see which one would have come out of your mouth. I've first. never even been to it. And I was going to say the Alamo Draft House just because it's oh, the I've first one that came there. to my head. I've never been there. <laughs> Where is that? I think it's downtown Brooklyn. Okay. I'm gonna have it's to like one of the ones it. that you can like drink at, but I've mm-hmm. never been to it, but it was the first one that came to my mind, probably yeah. just because I've heard it mentioned so many times, but... I've never been. Uh, I go to Spectacle. I go to the Spectacle Theater and watch experimental film. That's the only place I go. Just kidding. I like to go to. All kinds of I I, um, I I see. I might see a movie a day. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um. And you have I movie pass. What the fuck is movie pass? I actually don't have movie pass. What is it? Um. It's a pass <laughs> that you I buy. Could just look it's this a, up. it's like a it's it, you pay like a one time fee and you're supposed to get into. It you know all of these movies any place that accepts movie pass yes but here's the thing can you like, bring a guest no 
the fuck? But, you know, how, how dare New York let you bring a guest anywhere? You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> I got not plus one at a museum recently, and I'm a museum educator, and they're like, no, you don't get to bring someone in nice. with you. And I was like, I'm a teacher. <laughs> let me bring, no. Let me bring my fucking girlfriend Absolutely in. Absolutely not. No plus one. Um, <laughs> but, um, but anyways. But, uh you know, I, like I'm a monthly. You just you yeah, just swipe. yeah. I think you pay monthly or something mm. like that. I'm not really. I, I haven't done it. I should look into it. But I'm going to Metrograph um, tomorrow to see mm. 2046 with a friend, and I asked her if she wanted me to buy a ticket for her, and she said no. It's okay. I have Movie Pass, mm. and I said, well, 2046 is sold out tonight. So chances are it's going to be sold out tomorrow night if we don't buy them. You're on like permanent now. standby? No, I think you have to do it when you get to the theater. You can't, I don't think you can use a movie pass mm. like on Metrograph.com. That's intense because every, this is, I mean, New York is the only place that I've ever lived where I actually have been like, what the fuck are all the movies sold out? Like, why is every fucking movie every sold out? Every fucking movie is sold like, out. Like, yeah. I wanted to see Annihilation and it took me two weeks. Before I could even see it. I could talk about that movie with you for a second if you want. Yeah. Well, I read all the books and I was really excited to see the movie and I couldn't see it for two weeks. I finally saw it. But so I'm glad that I got to see it. But it was like, I was just like, why can't I get to see a movie? It's a movie. It already costs $20. I know. Like, let me go. I know. And then when I go, I show up. 30 minutes for the movie and I have to sit in the front row. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, are you fucking nerds yeah. showing up this early for yeah. the movie? And they're all, because mm-hmm, probably because I went to one of the movie theaters where you can drink beer. Yeah. I don't saw do it at one of those. Don't do and that. so, of course, everybody was there early and having their, like, I'm sorry. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> this is a tangent. When I lived in Portland, it was the first place that I'd ever been to where you could get, like, a beer at a movie. But it was like this shitty place on Burnside and it was, I don't even remember what it was called. Somebody from Portland was listening. This is going to kill me. There. Laurelhurst Theater on 20th and Burnside. And the movies were like three bucks and you could get, it was like a second run theater and it was never like great films, but you could get like a picture of Paps for six bucks. And I was like, what a neat, you know, like way to have a movie get like a second round of economy for it, you know, like come to this other theater and something. But the ones here, people... The woman next to me was eating like a cob salad <laughs> and the plate was clinking like with the knife while she was like eating the salad. And I was just like, I don't even have that thing that, um, what is it called when you can't hear people chewing or you go insane? It's like a, it's like a, a thing that people have. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I don't know the word for it, but, but I felt like I had that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden then I could smell everything. Yeah. And I was like, what the, f- why are you eating like chicken that. wings behind me? I love chicken wings, yeah. but like. I didn't happen to be hungry at the moment. And I was like, those, the mixture of all these smells is sort of offensive. Yeah. And there's like a person running up and down the aisle the entire time, which I guess is nice that somebody just brings it to your seat. But like, what the fuck? I don't like that. I really don't like that. I wouldn't mind getting up and just going and getting a beer if it meant that there weren't seven people having to, I guess maybe it's creating jobs. I don't know. See, I can't, I can't form an opinion on anything. <laughs> Are you a Gemini? I'm a Gemini, and I no, have I'm control. a fucking Aries. It's my season. I should be on top of this right now. I don't really know what it means to be an Aries, but oh, all um, I know about being a Gemini is you've got like two people in you at once, so you're like back and forth, back and forth. But oh, yeah. you're not a Gemini, so it doesn't no. matter. There used to be. Have you ever seen this movie Bong Water? No. It's like uh, I don't know who directed it, but it's old. But it's um, it was like before any of them were famous. But it's like Jack black andy dick uh Brittany murphy is in it 
um, Luke Wilson, all these, all these people. And it's like about, it's about Portland, Oregon in like the nineties. And they're all like smoking weed or something, but Jamie Kennedy is in it and he's like a weird musician and he gets really mad at Alicia Witt because he looks at her driver's license. They're like dating and he sees that she lied to him about when she was born. And he's like, June baby. He's like, you're a fucking Gemini. He's like, nobody, nobody told me anything about an evil twin coming along and casting me in a morality play. Yeah. And I was just like, what? I, I mean, every time I tell people I'm a Gemini, I basically get that reaction. Um, That's pretty cool. I know. Um, well, so besides the film, um, it sounds like you're going to be kind of like dialing it in in the near future and kind of keeping it a little close to the chest for the next bit. But yeah. you just said that you can you say anything about the film that you're in? Yeah, I would love to talk about plug the film that. that I'm in. Gotta, I would love to. Got a little to. plug in. Who's the director? That's your friend? Uh, Adam Lovett. Okay. Um, and I feel like I've met like a hundred people named that in my life. He's Canadian. Hmm. So maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that Which Canadian? Um, Toronton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the New York of Canada. Yes. Not the LA, the mm, Vancouver. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Toron- Toronto. Um and or Montreal, the Austin of <laughs> Or I mean no, it's it's yeah, it's the Austin, but it's also I just wanted to be mean. No, it's I wanted also, someone from Montreal to get upset if they were listening. But, but it's like it's circus town there. It's like the really? Cirque du Soleil of oh, Canada. It's yeah, it's for it's but it's like <laughs> Quebecois. Do you know what I mean? I've never been. It's really circusy. That's amazing. It's super circusy. Ask Chloe Wise about this. She'll she's got all the. Okay, I think like a bunch jokes. of people I know went to college there or something. Did you go to college, Montreal? Did, uh, she Chloe? did. Yeah, yeah, she did. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, your anyways, friends from Toronto, film um, director Adam Levitt. Adam Levitt and I co-wrote this film, and it's um, it's called Puppet, and it's mostly about me, mm-hmm. but I am a version of myself that is an amalgam of people I know living, working, existing in New York city, particularly in the art world Mm -hmm. that engage with social media. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a little mundane in a nice way. It's, uh, kind of like watching a contemporary Cleo from five to seven. Mm. It's a little French new wave. Um, and you follow me through the city uh, and you meet the people in my life, which are pretty exciting people. You meet Richie Shazam, who... The inventor of the app Shazam. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Richie is a friend of mine who is really smart, really colorful, best dressed person in new york um always has a lot to say high praise always has a lot to say um great to watch julia fox i don't know if you know julia i don't um she's native new yorker um she's just like been through it she's like quite the personality herself she really engages with social media a lot she's like a big voice on social or she was before her account got deleted Hmm. which i'm sure you've seen the ups and downs of people uh yeah they can take internet personalities they can take your whole platform they can if you're like a naughty 
How do you rebuild? You're a bad baby. I guess you guys, you're a bad baby. <laughs> you get your account taken away. Um, she's 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 a bad baby and she's great. She's really interesting. Um, you follow me to my studio. You kind of see what it's like to make work in a studio. Uh huh. Um, and then you do, and and then you, my grandmother's in it. Oh, who you uh, interviewed? Who I interviewed? Yeah, I saw your grandma at PS One. Yes, you she did. was signing copies in the magazine, right? Yeah, she was. That was at the book fair. I yeah. remember. I was like, I was like, who is that woman in the like? Was she wearing like a? She's wearing like a leopard print or zebra something like wild, just like loud, cool dress. A uh, power suit, like uh, probably a pants. Top. Oh, okay. She's she's like. I'm just inventing powers, in but it was it was zebra. It was zebra. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, it was a zebra. <laughs> okay, it was. It was a zebra power suit. Yeah. I mean, she's like queen of the power suit. So she, <laughs> she's in it. Um, cool. My dog's in it, and it's, and it's great. And um, it's in. It's being edited right now, but we'll do like a New York screening of it, and cool. it's fun. It's totally fun. But it's it's. It's great because it sh- it sheds a lot of light on um, what it's like to actually um, do this, like play this game. Yeah, yeah. And um, live in this city and engage in s- with social media. Um, and um, and it's fun. And if, if you like film, if you're kind of a filmophile, it's like one of those films that you um you you appreciate i th- I think that filmophiles will appreciate it because it's taking a lot of risks and it's it's asking a lot of you which film people usually really like it's like mm-hmm. you know like i i find that film people like to run marathons like they do it to run that yeah, film yeah. marathon you know yeah. they're not looking for the like um the hangover three they're i literally was thinking of the hangover were you yes um, <laughs> it's not like going to see the hangover it's it's it, it's challenging you and i was just trying to think of something that had like explosions I was... and seemed like i would be supposed to be giggling the whole time yeah yeah you know? yeah it's not it's not that at all but um <laughs> but i really i feel strongly about the project because it's um another lane i get to experience yeah you know, I mean, acting and and I and I'm not the director. You know, I co-wrote it and um, I have a lot of creative input, but it's not my film. And at the end of the day, and so I mean, it it is and it isn't. So, um, but I get to act, and that's great too. Yeah, you know, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Wow, it was super fun. I've never acted. I don't think I could do it. it seems insane to me, but I admire that people can do it. I bet it's maybe it's not as terrifying as i think it is i th- it, it it was day like filming puppet it was terrifying day one and then by day five i wanted to live my life with a camera on me i mean it's quite the addiction <laughs> yeah, i yeah. i i by the end of it i was like oh now i understand why the kardashians decided to live their entire life this way yeah yeah you know especially if you know that people who, who with like um the right equipment and really good editing chops are going to make sure that people can't stop watching and you're going to appear very very interesting yeah definitely and then and i got you know i've had the pleasure of seeing it and i saw myself 
And I saw myself in a way that I had never seen myself before. And all of these things about myself or that I had decided were myself. Like I was like, I'm a humble person. (laughs) No, you're not. Like (laughs) I really truly saw myself and I got to take some of those things back to my therapist and (laughs) talk about it. Um, You think your therapist will see the movie? My therapist as an exercise was like, I want to watch the movie, you know? And then, I mean, Mm. because it's really like, I've very much let myself be like filleted and, (laughs) you know, it's like, I mean, I even bring up and make fun of and like there are people in the film that make fun of parts of myself that other people make fun of behind my back do you know what i mean like it's like it's like people say like there are lines delivered to me that i'm sure people have said to me said about me behind my back and i'm just like let's let's say it and i was like okay i I, now i kind of see myself a little like i think i see myself a little bit more clearly but also i i get why I get why the Kardashians do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting <laughs> exercise. I wonder if, I always wonder if, and I don't think that she does, but I always wonder if my therapist like looks at anything that I do. Like just out of like a weird, morbid curiosity, because it's clearly the topic of everything that I'm talking about when I'm in a session is I'm referencing people in my life and institutions and organizations and things that I'm doing, this kind of stuff. And like, I wonder if she like eventually has just been like, fuck is this nerd and like just like googled me and then been like okay i see why you're here but (laughs) yeah i mean they they might but they might or they might have like more interesting um maybe because it's new york maybe they have like a really cool weird person that i would just be like whoa that like yeah that that uh dare i say like trump's your um (laughs) you know like your importance on like the google search yeah yeah. you know like (laughs) or somebody who's like uh the things that they're uh stressed about maybe will have more of a ripple effect in the world than my micro fucking psychosis about (laughs) deciding whether or not i like this movie theater or that movie theater (laughs) right yeah (laughs) have a a more tangible effect Mm -hmm. on culture but you know i mean truly though like if we were invisible mm-hmm. <laughs> like sitting over our therapist's shoulders what they would be googling is themselves because yeah. that's what we all do yeah you know yeah we're all just googling ourselves here yeah that's cool <laughs> <laughs> um well carly thanks so much for coming by and yes. talking about know nothing about your top secret upcoming feature-length film that yes. i'm excited to check out in like 2020 um, Maybe that's there will a, be another presidential election right around the time. That's a good <laughs> goal. 2020 is a good goal. Yeah, let's say 2020. I'll say 2021. And okay. then if you do it by 2020, you'll be like, see, I fucking... Yeah. I did it. Great. Um, and uh, everybody check out Puppet. Puppet, Puppet. yeah. That'll that'll um, come out soon. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, welcome everyone uh, to April. It's now April, so congratulations. Wow. Well, it's good when I put this out. It's going to be April. It's a few more days. Welcome to April. You're in the future. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Thank you. I have seen the mystics play there once or twice. Well, I knew they had a reason. Enchantment plays its cards all right. Hand in hand. Can be now and forever. Teach
legends can 